This show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Unapologetically Bold I'm Not Sorry For. And I am blessed beyond measure today to have one of my good friends, Dr. T, with me. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited, Emily. This is awesome. This is going to be such a fun conversation because the work that you do is, it's just so impacting too. And also your life. And every time I talk to you, I learn something new. I learned that you were an author the other day. I'm like, but you're so humble. And I think it's really cool how it flows into what you're not sorry for. But before we get into that, tell people a little bit about yourself and who you are. Sure. Well, I am broadcasting this from uh, sunny San Diego right now. <laughs> I always like to throw that in there. Just like you anchor man, you'll find that kind of funny. Uh, so my name is Teresa Larson. Um, I am a, so the roles I play, uh, I am a physical therapist. I got my doctorate in physical therapy. I'm a mom of two beautiful boys, Magnus, who's three and Axel, who's five months old. Uh, we are a Scandinavian family. So I'm the shortest in my family at six one. So just put a picture of that. We are a large family. Um, so I, uh, I am a wife to pair who's a Swedish Dutch man. Uh, we run a business called movement RX. This is one of our logos, <laughs> um, but it's a human performance business that is, uh, in the corporate world. We bring movement and mindfulness to the corporate world, as well as we work in the defense space with military units. Uh, and a little bit in the fitness industry as well, in terms of adapting movement, those who have had permanent injuries, we work with them to find their new normal. Uh, and we actually are in this new normal right now, which is we're all learning to adapt. So adapting is part of our DNA. Hey man, does that one <laughs> love to travel, love to be quiet, love to, which I don't get much of these days with the, with the baby, but, um, I like to be quiet and be creative. That's so awesome. And I think it flows into our thing about what you're not sorry for, because I think some of those things might be a enhancer to why you can be what you say that you're not sorry for. So the show is called Unapologetically Bold. What are you no longer apologizing for? So I'm not sorry for being an unstoppable human. Uh, I have always been someone that goes after what I want and even what scares me, like being a Marine officer scared me to be able to go into that kind of environment, but I did it anyway. Um, writing a memoir at the age of 33 scared me, but I did it anyway. And there was backlash from it, right? There was backlash from things I wrote about people I wrote about in the book. Um, but I'm not sorry for that. Um, 
yes, there are other people that were part of my story. However, it's a story I wrote, a story about my life. And I'm not sorry for helping so many people. I'm not sorry for op- opening up about my addiction, help other people open up about theirs. Uh, <clears throat> you know, in business too, as a business owner and a business woman, uh, I've had to let people go. I had to fire people. I've had to let people go ahead and buy out a business partner (laughs) um, years ago. And I'm not sorry for that because they taught me so much more about what I didn't want. And now I know what I do want. And I have a wonderful team um, and a wonderful teaming partner and doing the work I love. So, yeah, there's there's a good start to it. We could go. (laughs) go We got a lot of (laughs) <laughs> you know, we can go a lot of directions there. I think the thing that I hear too is that part of being unstoppable is using your momentum. You're not sorry for using your momentum and taking your failures or your setbacks and using that. Because I said this to somebody is actually in another podcast. It was some people take their mess and make it a bigger mess at times, where others can take their mess and make it a message and do something with it. And for me, this upcoming year, it's really like, inspired humanity is something that's really like hit home that that saying that quote and that's what I see from you is that you you're inspired by that humanity because it's you're gonna face it yes well that's that's the thing is um I you know whatever I put out in the world too whatever I want to put out in the world I the goal of it the whole vision I have is to for it to help people, to serve people, to help other people open up, right? Like really all we have in life is right now. Like right now is it, right? Between you and me are talking and what's going on right here with us is our life right now. What our kids are doing, I'm not around them at the moment, but um, I want to bring my best self to this moment. And in order to be able to do that, I have to own you know, the fact that I have a past too, which are memories. Those are memories, things that happened. And it's better to look at the facts of what happened. And if the stories aren't that great, like we, we, we sell, tell, a lot of, tell ourselves a lot of stories based on what has happened. And, you know, whether it's, so I struggle with an addiction. That's the fact. It doesn't say anything about me. It says I struggle with an addiction and I can create the life I want. Like it doesn't own me. I'm not defined by that. Right. And, you know, even in the future, the future is there, like it's there, but we can't actually touch it. Um, And that's going to happen. So what do I want to make my future to be? I don't have to let the past dictate my future. Uh, And so, you know, when I put things out there in the world, I do it in the most authentic way. And it may or may not come across, you know, writing a book, like, there's a re- readers that are like, wow, this is a bunch of BS. And there are other people that are like, this is amazing. Everyone has their own filter they're coming into and looking at what you put out there. And the best thing is to own your filter, <laughs> like know what stories and what are facts. And um, regardless of what people say or do, like be you own the dark and the light parts of you and go and bring that to the table. And there are going to be people that like it, that don't like it, um, that agree with you, that don't agree with you, but don't let that stop you from being you. Mm. And it, and believe me, it doesn't come without heartache. Like it mm-hmm. still hurts sometimes when people are like, that's a bunch of BS. Like, why would you do that? Or, you know, 
buying out a former business partner years ago is hard. Like it needed ending a friendship, really. It doesn't mean we don't support each other, but it meant kind of ending a friendship. However, in order for us to each grow, that had to happen. And I wish him the best. He wishes me the best. And now we can actually grow. It's so powerful because there's, again, there's so many things that can go go with that. Because what I hear is the ability, and you were even in on the class with me that I did with Davison. It, it's all about mm-hmm. owning yourself and, and not letting the emotions are not bad and emotions are neutral, like, but yeah. not letting them take you over to the point where you are stopped. You can't move. Right. You can't go. You can't push past. You can't continue the work that needs to be done because I've seen so many people like entrepreneurs, like I was blessed to get to live with my father being an entrepreneur and seeing how much suck there really is. Like you probably have way more suck. <laughs> Then you actually have the awesomeness, but to see what happens on the end and how much of a generational effect that could be, but how easily you could be stopped. So easily. Yes. I mean, look at the amount of self-help books out there. (laughs) Really. I mean, and I'm a big advocate of a lot of the, like the go-getter books out there and the self-help books, because it just kind of re, especially not all of them, but some of them really reinforce, um, just owning you and that does come with the ups and the downs and it's i think it's really important to learn to ride the waves i call them waves like surfing Mm -hmm. the waves of the ups and downs because yeah i mean you had i also my father was an entrepreneur too you know to be honest emily like i he actually started his own business when my mom got sick with breast cancer so he could be home with her and then he would work nights um and run do his work at night And then come home and be with us and be with her. And, you know, she she passed away and he continued the work because he could then, you know, support us going to school, but also be home more with us. That entrepreneur life was really hard, but it allowed him the freedom to be home with us. And, and you know, I'm not working nights necessarily like he did. And I'm not a single parent. Thank goodness. That is a different, you know, there are a lot of single parents out there. It's very hard. Mm -hmm. And. But being an entrepreneur in the midst of that, like he inspired me to just, he was an unstoppable human. He went after what he wanted. He created a business. Then he became a Catholic priest, went through four years of essentially getting a PhD in church. I don't know what you call it. You know, being a second vocation Catholic priest, a wife that's widowed, he could do that. He did that at the age of 58 and became a Catholic priest and ran a church essentially for 10 years. And then you know, passed away, riding a bike, doing what he loved. And it's hard and heartbreaking, but he did what he wanted. (laughs) Like nothing stopped him. And I have that as like an image and as a, as a role model. And, um, and he'd always say like, you know, you get near a mud puddle, you get dirty, you, you know, the past is the past, you brush it off, get back up. And that's just kind of how I was raised. And it's so powerful, too. And I'll say that, like you, like been blessed to have that family aspect in it, to be able to see what it was or have that inspiration. But even if you didn't have that, there's still things that you can know that you don't have to be stopped. Like if it's a passion, if it's something that like 
you want to do every day and you would do it even for free, I would try to find ways to explore it. So that makes me wonder about you. Like, when did you first feel stopped? And then you're like, I'm not going to, nah, I'm not doing that at all. Oh gosh. Well, I've been stopped many times. Um, so, you know, I think in terms of, I was stopped in the Marine Corps because I, I had an addiction. Um, I had an eating disorder and, you know, that, that stopped me from doing the work. I stopped, I stopped myself doing my, my leadership work in the Marine Corps because I had an addiction and I asked for help. Um, but ultimately by asking for help, it very much unraveled this. What do I want? What do I need in my life? And it, and it really brought me to where I am today. So, but the first time I was, I, the disease stopped me from being saying a Marine, right? Like I, but I like voluntold myself to get help and do the things I needed to do to get healthy because other people around me were saying, you're killing yourself, Teresa, like do something. Uh, but, you know, I would say as of recently to those who are entrepreneurs out there who want to be, or just, you know, want to be the bat, your badass self, like your best self. Um, you know, something that stopped me was uh, I I got out of PT school. I graduated PT school. It took, got my doctorate, took about three years plus the prereqs, about five years total to do prerequisites in PT school. And then I started right into a business. Um, I worked business right away. I worked in a PT practice that was pretty traditional, supposedly sports performance. But, you know, unfortunately, in the traditional PT world, the sports performance clientele can be few and far between. Um, and I about I would say six months in, I just I found myself crying every day going to work like I was crying, going to work. I didn't have children yet or anything like that. But um, my husband, my my husband and I, my fiance at the time, we were getting married. We were going to get married. and. Um, it just was like, like what I just remember looking, literally was like working on patients and looking out the window, like, is this really my life? You know, like really, and making myself really sad at work. And it just like sucked. It was kind of like out of a movie where it's just like the wallpapered walls. And here's my boss that's saying the TPS report. I felt like it was at office space actually. Like that's what I felt like my first job in PT. My boss was like, why are you teaching that person to deadlift? Well, that person is going to lift Jersey barriers. They have a wrist issue, but they need to learn how to deadlift, right? Like it's so weird in the PT world where you just, a lot of times you're just supposed to focus on that joint when you know that joint's attached to other things. And if the person doesn't learn how to do these certain lifts and they're just going to continue hurting this plus other things. But it, I remember my boss being like, why did you teach that person to deadlift when they have a wrist issue? And I'm like, well, they need to learn how to deadlift because they're lifting Jersey barriers and yeah, their wrist is an issue, but their low back's going to be an issue too. And it was this moment of like, kind of F my life. Like this sucks. Like I cannot believe that I am working in this environment <laughs> and I like went home and cried and I felt very stuck. Like I felt very mm -hmm. stuck and um, my husband and I, and it kind of felt like, is this going to be my life? Like, am, did I really get my, like my doctorate to do this and be talked, you know, my boss was being my boss. Like it was just being him, but am I going to like, 
be stuck my whole life. And it took my husband saying like, no, you, why don't you just like, think about what you would do to, if you created your own thing, what would that be like? And it took me a little bit, you know, it took me months. Um, and I was like, I, I think I, I need to do that. Like I need to do something because this, whatever I'm doing right now is just not working. Me crying every day and <laughs> you feeling like I'm going crazy isn't, isn't working. And so what I did was I just, I put in my two week notice, um, right before I went on my honeymoon or went, got married and went on my honeymoon and that wasn't well received, but you know, again, it's like, this is my life. I need to go and do what I need to do. And, um, over our honeymoon, my husband and I figured out <laughs> what I would do <laughs> for my work. And here we are. So, but it was, it was this like six month long, like, OMG, this is my life. Like, what am I doing? And I can't cry. I don't want to keep crying like this every day. And I think it's important that you notice that because I have, whenever I started my own business, somebody's like, oh, that's so scary. I don't know how you, how you could do that. But I knew my health at that time was I'm a people pleaser. Like I'm trying to recover from it, still suck at it. Um, But it was just the fact that I continually just was so much stress and wanting to perform, but then I felt held back and I couldn't do things. It was just so much. And I stepped out. And what they said to me is like, that's scary. They knew they hated their job, yeah. but they'd rather stay in that comfort that they had a perceived happy bubble, even though they were stuck. Then moving forward. So that's my next question for you is what invitation would you give to people that are feeling stuck and the power of becoming unstoppable or getting unstuckable? I guess we'll say that, too. What, what's what's the power of that, of, of moving forward and taking that momentum? Uh, well, it's it's a choice, right, to follow by an action like people. It's well. I would say there's, it's all too common that people want change. They want it. They have all these ideas, but they never take the action to do it. And so it's just like on a smaller scale, like if you're making a big change, like finding a different job or starting your own business, but it can be as small as like trying to get fit. People talk so much about it. They read all the books and they get all the cookbooks, but they never actually consistently stick with any type of routine. And so my suggestion is just it's action, right? Just start doing something, whether you want to start a business, look into how and what, what do you wake up thinking about? Look into like physically start to look into how to do it. And then, you know, if it's getting fit, get some new shoes, get some new clothes, like actually go out for a walk, go out for a run. You know, so many people wait for motivation to do something. And as we know, if you're going to wait for motivation, you're going to wait your whole life. So start getting that dopamine fix by actually doing something. And then that dopamine fix will come. That motivation will come. And I think that's literally, you know, my back was to the wall. I'll say that when I was, when I was in the clinic, you know, one in the Marine Corps, my back was to the wall because I was hurting myself and I didn't want to hurt others. But then my back was to the wall again with like, of my life. Like, I don't want to live like that. Like living like, well, I hope it changes someday. Isn't the way I want to live. I want to enjoy my life now. And I can create that 
but it's not easy. Like any path, like creating your own path, getting healthy isn't easy. It's like you kind of, I love the Brene Brown concept of in the arena or think of it on the field. Living your life in the arena means there's going to be people throwing stuff at you and there's, it's hard. And I've laid face up in the arena many a times, but at least I know I'm living. Mm. Like at least I know I'm going after it and I'm not in the stands criticizing others for putting themselves out there or saying, uh, I think there's this book actually said it very well of um, the dark side of light chasers, which is I'm reading. I'm just finishing it now by Debbie Ford. And she talks about going to this seminar and this really, you know, professional man was giving a seminar and he was really like had a nice suit on and he, he had it all together and he was trying to inspire others to create change in their life, right? To be unstoppable, essentially. And, you know, Debbie to, went home with her friend and she's like, so how'd you like the seminar? And her friend was like, yeah, the guy kind of sucked. Like he's a, such a loser. Like, why would he be up there? Like he acts like he has it all together. And she's like, well, look at his background. Like, look what he, look who he is. Look what he's doing. He's in front of hundreds of people sharing how they can be unstoppable in their life. And she's like, and kind of look at you. Like, let's, you're, you don't have a job. You, you don't, you complain about everything. You're overweight, right? All like, just look at your life. Like, be realistic. Like, who are you calling a loser here? Like, and it's not to be, it's like, just take a hard look at your life. Like, what do you want? Where are you versus where do you want to go? And start to take action to create that. Get fit, find a new job, start looking. Um, do what it takes to to create the life you want right now. And it just starts, you know, just taking action. Yeah. And it's the part of caring for yourself so you can care for others. Yes. And if you if you want to be unstoppable, first, you have to take that part and look at your inner self. Like what's stealing your energy? What's stealing your joy? What's yes. stressing you out? And if you don't deal with that stress then you can't get to that next level or you can, but it's going to be very difficult and there's going to be barriers in the way in my uh, observation. And yes. so to talk about stress though, stress can be a story very much. And so that's just something I think that, you know, people can say right now, there's too much stress in my life. Well, so just start to look at the facts versus the stories you tell yourself, look at the facts of what's going on. Right. And be honest about what you can control and what you can't control. And start to look at this. So the facts are, you know, we're in a pandemic. Um, you work so many hours a day. You have two children or whatever it is. And what are the stories that you're telling yourself? The world sucks. My relationship sucks or my job sucks. Well, that's a story. Like what is actually like know that you can change that story, right? You can change it. So mm -hmm. I think that's a really good distinction there is that we can say stress is an excuse, but start to define like really what are the areas that are creating more havoc in your life? Look at the facts of those and start to like pick away at those versus it, like everything's just so overwhelming in my life. I can't do anything because it's too stressful. That's not true. And I think that's important. And that's what we talk about is turning your stress into a strategy because stress is really just awareness. Yeah. It's really heightened awareness that there's something you need to address. Yes. And my favorite thing is to kill the ants. And that's automatic negative thoughts. Yeah. And basically what you're talking about is put the facts to it. And I do this a lot yeah. with my husband because I can get really mad at him. Um, at yeah. um, and I can tell him stories that he doesn't love me or that he doesn't appreciate me. But yet he writes me notes every day. And he knows yeah. it's my love language, you know, like. 
So what are the actual yeah. facts or am I throwing a pity party? And that, I think that's the part that really comes to it is a lot of times we can go, woe is me. And yeah. we, we can stop ourselves by doing that. And I also want to say there are times that you, you need to, ha- you need to grieve. You need to grieve. Yes. What's happening oh, of to course. You need to, you need to grieve, but don't let it stop you from your blessings that you can receive in life. So yes. I think that's so important. And I'm just, I love, you know, I love you. I think you're so awesome. And I'm so blessed that you came on today. Um, so final two part question. Yes. Part. People are apologizing. They're saying, I'm sorry for being unstoppable because you might start comparing me to you or, or they may, they may feel like it's just something that um, isn't, isn't something they want to talk about. They like being unstoppable and they know they're doing the work, but they're going to keep it to themselves. So what would you say to people that are apologizing for being unstoppable? Uh, Just literally whatever it takes to remind yourself to be and to not apologize is the key. Like write it down every day. Um, Maybe even like have a rubber band around your wrist. Right. And every time you think about saying it to snap it. Uh, But, you know, maybe the cognitive behavioral therapy approach to it is like when you start to start to want, want to apologize, who are you doing that for? Right. So, you usually you want to please others. You don't want people to feel bad about what's going on in their life. And just remember, this is this is about you and your life. You're putting it out there to affect others. And remember your why. People aren't going to like everything you say. And so just remember that when you say when you apologize, usually usually it's because you're you're trying to please others. When really the most important thing is, you're are you pleasing yourself? And are you putting out there authentically what you want in the world? And so do whatever it takes, the rubber band, snapping, clicking the fingers, writing it down, or just taking a pause mm-hmm. and moving forward. Like the pause is a is a lot of power. There's a lot of power in a pause. There is a lot of power in the pause. And I'm going to tell you, all of the things that I do, nine times out of 10, a pause is probably one of the n- number one actions that people mm-hmm. talk about and there is so much power, I, the power and pause and power and gratitude. Those are the two things that I really think do. So mm-hmm. with that um, second part of that final question is people want to reach out to you. They want to get to know you more or want to just learn more about what you do. How can they find you? Well, uh, so my company's website is a good start movement rx.com. Um, I am on LinkedIn, Dr. Teresa Larson, DPT. So you can check me out there. I'm on Instagram too and, and Facebook. Um, so move either Movement RX or Dr. Teresa Larson. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you for all that will be listening in. Y'all have an amazing thank day. Thank you, Emily. You're awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.